Hey everybody, it's Matt Barry from The Wraith, Bertolucci's Luna. This is $2 Late Fee, Zach and Dustin. Before there was IMDB.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but... Maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. (laughs) Either way, we'd know movies. And even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah. This is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Matthew Barry, today's guest on our show, uh, he brought an authentic realness to the show that was really refreshing. Reminisced on the Wraith, of course. Of course we brought him on because we love the Wraith and we love his character specifically, Billy Hankins. But he gave us so much more in our interview. We've been talking a lot this month about how it's Wraith Timber. We've got our uh, crossover episode on our side of things with Corey from Podcasting After Dark your co-host on that episode. We put in about a good two-hour discussion about the show. Um, You can listen to that now, the show and the soundtrack. And then over on Podcasting After Dark, we put in another four hours where we just broke it down, we broke it down, we broke it down, we broke it down, we broke it down. We broke it. We just broke it in a good way. I mean, we we dissected and we broke it. Um, So you have a total of six hours of Wraith Timber content, excluding what we have for our listeners today with, I want to call him Sir Matthew Barry, because even though he's not knighted, it feels like he should be. <laughs> I totally agree. Matthew, Matt, he came on to talk about the good old times with that movie. He told some great stories on it, which you'll obviously hear in this interview. Uh, but you're going to get an, an insight as to what it was like making movies back then. And where did these guys go after that? You know, Matthew has a very successful uh, career behind the camera as a casting director and now as a teacher with uh, MatthewBerryTeaches.com. And he's, he's, you know, giving the tools that he's learned throughout the years to up-and-coming actors and students, which he's very proud of. He'll talk about on the on the episode with us. But, my gosh, like, we wraith the hell out of this month. And... Uh, it's a great way to cap off the end of Wraith Timber with Matthew Barry on our show. Can I just, I just want to go over the list of some of these movies that he has been the casting director of, because it's really, yeah, it's do. really awesome. So, okay, so Tim Burton's Mars Attacks, 1996, uh, Con Air, 1997, uh, Amnesia, uh, Rush Hour from 1998, little Jackie Chan, little, little uh, uh, Chris Tucker. Uh, Shanghai Noon, again, uh, The Family Man, another Nicolas Cage uh, movie. Rush Hour 2, How High, John Q, uh, Freddy vs. Jason, The Notebook, uh, Alpha Dog, um, uh, Good Luck Chuck, which was the movie where I realized that one of my dogs hates Dane Cook. I mean, the list goes on and on here, and 
it's really incredible. Yeah, so I just want to list those because, man, yeah, what a career. The guy's a mensch. He's a mensch. He should be knighted. Matthew Barry, fantastic. For all you Wraith fans out there, you're welcome. And for all of you Matthew Barry fans out there, you're welcome. And to Matthew Barry, thank you. Thank you for all the time you gave us in this upcoming interview. Everybody, sit back, relax, enjoy. Matthew Barry. Matt Barry, thank you so much for being on $2 Late Fee. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you for coming. Sincerely, um, it's it's not going to lie. The Wraith is is one of my favorite movies of all time for many reasons. And your character specifically, Billy, uh, stands out to me on so many levels. And Dustin and I, not that long ago, uh, via one of those Zoom watch party deals, we watched The Wraith and just kept commenting on how much charm several aspects of that movie still have to this day. And I know obviously that was a little, a little while ago <laughs> for you, but my gosh, man, it, 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 it takes me back. And so getting to have you on the show is a, is, is a really big deal for us. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. It's, it was a, uh, it was a lot of fun. I have a lot of great memories. It's uh, definitely one of the best times of my life. Um, That's great to hear. Yeah. I need to to even further clarify something because Zach is really not doing this justice. I'm not. You you had asked offline how we had met. Yeah. And when we met, we basically met. We're both voice actors, and Zach was was wanting to. I think we were just gonna like have a like a VO conversation or something like that. We didn't know each other. We met through a mutual friend, and we sit down, and Zach casually drops in like a wraith quote, just like in the conversation. And I was like, Did you just? did you just quote the Wraith? And he's like, he's like, you know, the Wraith. I'm like, I love the Wraith. Like I've seen the Wraith, you know, 25 times. He's like, the Wraith is like my, my Bible. So that's what kind of launched our entire podcast because we both realized from that moment, like we share this kind of eighties movies mind and, and a lot of obscurity just kind of that lives around there. Soundtracks, all these things. Obviously, The Wraith has an amazing soundtrack. Um, amazing soundtrack. And uh, so that's really why, why we're here today. So I, I really, I, I, wanna, I don't want to understate that. Was, was, was the quote, uh, I don't know, but whoever he is, he's weird and pissed off? <laughs> no. I, I, I don't know. It might have been like. I don't know. I don't remember the quote. I, I was still it... got plenty of dog food or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. Eat, eat hot lead crud sucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, some, there's a million of them, man. I'm tweaking or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and certainly your character has a, a, a ton of our favorites, whether you're talking about thousand Island or. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to this day, it's like that, that, the idea of like, look, if you're not nice, I'm not going to give you the, the mayo in the Thousand Island. The <laughs> no, way like it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not oh, nice, good Packers. Old, good old Mike Marvin. Good old Mike. God I, bless I, I Mike. I think that script is pretty damn good. I mean, it, it's, it, it plays to me like, um, you know, for those who haven't seen The Wraith, it, it, it's like a, it's a mashup of like a seven, like sci-fi meets teen film meets revenge movie. Yeah. Um, and, and with a killer soundtrack, the soundtrack is definitely one of the things that bonded Dustin and I. He's, he's not understating that. Uh, you know, I, I work, <laughs> I work out to a lot of the songs that are on that soundtrack, <laughs> even the ballads. It's like, this is my cool down. Hold on, blue eyes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> 
<laughs> so, and, and you're admitting this, Zach. You're admitting I, I wear my freak <laughs> flag on yeah. my shoulder That's with pride. Good, good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but, you know, obviously you said you have fond memories of that time, one of your favorite times. You know, uh, I, I know you made the transition off screen later on in your career, but man, in the beginning, just seeing you on screen, you have such a great presence. I mean, that movie seemed like such a, it seemed like a fun time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because when I went into audition, if you actually look at the original script, uh, it says, Billy Hankins, a blonde, blue-eyed hunk. And I looked at myself <laughs> reading this and going, strike one, strike two, strike three. And uh, Eileen Starger, the casting director, was a, was a fan of mine. And she brought me in. She was like, Mike, no, you got to meet this guy. You got to meet this guy. And so she brought, she brought in, this is, this is a true story. She brought in two guys for the, for, for, for the role, myself and Johnny Depp. And I beat out oh John, Johnny Depp for the for the for the role uh, for the role of of Billy. Wow. Fantastic! That's so, impressive. That's from that's from Mike Marvin. Mike Marvin told me that 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 story. Wow! And neither one of you are blonde. No, no, no. And he was yeah. he was he was a little more hunkier than than I was. <laughs> but the, but the interesting thing was is that he was dating Sherilyn Fenn at the time. Oh right! And, and he and he was he came down to uh, to Tucson. And was was hanging out with us, and uh, you know we it, there was no animosity, and and uh, uh, I, I wouldn't say we became friends, but you know we, we had a couple of cocktails together, and and eventually I, I worked with uh, worked with him on on Ed Wood, and we had a few laughs after uh, you oh, know, t- talking about the film. It's such a random it's such a random uh, connection to to come back, and you're working on a movie. I mean, the Wraith the Wraith is definitely a cult film, and it's yeah, it's a tremendous cult following. Yeah, yeah. Ed Wood being maybe the the the, the grandfather of uh, cult cinema in many yeah. regards. So there you are going back to a cult on cult, if you will. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's funny you, you bring up bring up Tucson. As a kid, I was like, I want to find that lazy river that they go down. Yeah, and I want to. I just want to go to Tucson. That's where I'm going to meet a girl, and <laughs> I'm going to work at Big K's Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, but it's but you know what it's re- it's really weird when when people get I did a um, I did a film uh, very early on in my career with uh, Bernardo Bertolucci called Luna, and years later when I was casting I was working with the director Simon West, mm. and his assistant told me that Simon was so obsessed with the film that he flew to Italy to try and find the pants that I wore in the film in the Wraith. Yeah, no, in in the film Luna. Okay, okay. With, wow. With, with with Bertolucci, and I was like, okay, that's really weird. <laughs> but 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 it's like, yeah, it's 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 interesting how how fans get very uh, obsessed about you know it's, it's something clicks you know it's 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 like and we all have it. I mean, it's yeah. like I remember when the first the first day I sat in in a cinema and watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. I went back ten days in a row. Oh, After wow. that, and literally watched the film eleven days in a row. I was just obsessed with the film. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it was just to me. It was a perfect, perfect film. So it's like you know, we you know, we, we all we all we all get uh, get a little crazy sometimes. You know? Well, I think it's interesting that you bring up a good point because um, I, I have a son who's six, and I know you have kids, right? Yeah. You mentioned that you had kids, and and uh, and he's doing this thing now where he's looking in the mirror at himself, and he's like. 
you know, he's flexing his muscles or he's like, look at my, look at dad, my mustache is coming in, you know? And, uh, and, and, and he's watching movies and he's like, Oh, I'm like that guy. I'm like that guy. And you do that as a kid, right? You idealize sure. characters because, sure. uh, you listen to stories, especially kids who enjoy storytelling or make believe and you become the character. Right. And so as a, as a young child, you're, you're that character. No, I'm, I'm, I'm Superman. I'm, you know, Luke Skywalker, whatever. And then as you get older, you start going, I know I'm not that guy, but I really dig that guy. I want to look like that guy. You know, Johnny Depp in 21 Jump Street. I was wearing a jean jacket with a trench coat over the, over it and whatever. And I was trying to look all hip. I thought I was. And, you know, growing on a mullet because I saw some guy in an 80s rock video that looked really cool, like Kip Winger or something. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I grew up on Gilligan's Island and the Munsters, so you know, <laughs> they're <you> different. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, and you, and for those people who you, obviously this is this is a podcast and people are listening to this, but seeing you, you look the same. You haven't aged at all. It's the Keith Richards diet. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Cigarettes and booze. <laughs> it's protein w- shake. Wine, women, and song, right? right. Yes. <laughs> well, you, you start. what made you, was it Indiana Jones that made you want to become an actor? What was it? What was the no, thing? No, I was, I grew, I grew up in the, my dad is a uh, Broadway playwright and uh, he uh, ran a theater company in New York. I grew up in New York and from a very early age, my school was literally right down the block from his theater. Oh, I love that. And so I would walk literally down the block on 26th Street to the Hudson Guild Theater and I would wow. sit in, sit in the, in the, in the seats and, and watch him, you know, direct actors all day long while I was doing my, my homework until it was time to go home. And so that was kind of my education. And then yeah. I think I was eight years old and I was like, I want to do that. And I and I did a, a play at the Roundabout Theater, which is now a Broadway uh, venue, and it was, it was off Broadway at the time. And I that was his, you know, starring in a play at eight years old, and and it just kind of skyrocketed from there. I was on a short-lived TV show on CBS um, called Ivan the Terrible. It was terrible, um, <laughs> and then I got a Broadway play at the same time. Um, and then the big break was the, uh, the Bertolucci film when I was 15. So I was kind of, you know, I was one of those, you know, child actors, um, you know, that definitely had the, the story of a child actor. I mean, you know, you give a, you know, a, a 17, 15, 16, 17 year old, you know, a lot of money in the eighties where, you know, studio 54 yeah. and, and cocaine were prevalent, you know, yeah. it's not a good combination, you know? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so I, I, I definitely say I, I had, a, I had a lot of fun back, back in the days, but probably a little too much fun. Um, but I'm, listen, I'm lucky to be alive. A lot of, a lot of the, the, the people that, you know, I, uh, I hung out with here, you know, are long gone, which oh, is, man. which is, which is sad, but, um, uh, I survived, you know, I've, I've survived the, the, this, uh, this wonderful industry. It's given me, uh, a lot of, a lot of joy and, uh, I'm very, very lucky. To, to, no still, to still be to still be in it you know no doubt in the fact that Absolutely. you got to work with Bertolucci at such a young age I mean that's pretty fantastic he is suspended between childhood and manhood she is caught between family and fame and what keeps them together would you talk to me Joe is tearing them apart Joe how can I help you Jill Clayburgh Matthew Barry, Luna.
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely. I, I was I was listening to a, um, uh, 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 watching a documentary on Marlon Brando, and Brando was talking about Bertolucci and Last Tango, and he said every, anything that I had left, you know, Bernardo took, mm. and I was just like. Oh, I know exactly how you feel. I just started crying watching it because I was like, Marlon, I know how you feel. He took everything from me. (laughs) You know, he took my soul. And that's what good directors do. And uh, it it was definitely an amazing experience. But it's 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 hard when you're when you're that young, because everybody else afterwards is kind of an idiot. (laughs) You know, you have to you kind of have to like, oh, okay, you know, every you know. Directors have different styles. You know, when you're young, you're, you're impressionable. Yeah. So, so it was, it was definitely uh, an adjustment period to realize that there's, you know, there's good directors and there's, there's different directors. That's a good point. Right. Not, I mean, not every film set is going to, is going to take your soul. And, no, you might... and, and, you know, and it's, it started to interrupt us, but it was like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I love, I love Mike dearly. Mike is, is Mike Marvin. The director of the film is, is still a friend to this day. You know, we, we talk all the time. And it was very interesting because, you, you know, at the end of the film, you know, the Jake, Jake, Jamie. Yeah. At yeah. the oh, end yeah. at the end of the film, you know, uh, we're doing the re- rehearsal and Mike comes up to me and goes, he goes, what are you doing? I said, I said, I said, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, you should be happy you got this car. I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, I just saw my dead brother come back that from the dead. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said it's yeah. it's an emotional scene, and he goes, "No, no, no! You got to be really happy. You got to be really." So I go to the producer, and I go, "Oh I my go, god!" And I go, and I go, and I go, "John, I go. This is this is the the ending of your movie. It's got to have oh a you know, god. Th- you know." And and so I see John and Mike, you know, talking, and and Mike's arguing, and they're arguing. And I'm like, "Oh shit," <laughs> you know. And so Mike comes up to me, and you know, pissed off, and he goes, "All right, show me what you got, and what you see on the film is is." is and so he goes, "Okay." You know, you get, you, oh get my God. You, you get to win, you get to win this one. And then of course, you know, when, when we had the, the, the premiere, everybody was, you know, it was it, for, for a film like this, there were a lot of people in tears, which was nice. Yeah. You know? Yes. That, that so, scene, that scene is really impactful uh, down to the point where, so Dustin and I early on in our stages of this podcast, we're, we're promoting it by sending out mixed CDs to, to fans and friends, right? Oh. Our favorite eighties soundtrack songs. And then there'd be sound clips on there as well. And the, one of the sound clips is is Jake saying bye to Jamie. Yeah. Or sorry, to Billy. Awesome. And, yeah. and and you're and you know <laughs> you know, when you say bro and he goes, You said it, you said it, Billy. And and that is such a powerful scene and would have ruined in my opinion, ruined the film if they oh, the man. tone changed like that. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah. That would be absurd. But it's you know, it's 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 like you know, you hear the stories in, in Hollywood all all the time where, where things things change from its originality, and that's why. Listen, that's why you know it's a collaboration. Yes, you know it's totally. it's definitely a director's medium and a director's vision. I mean, it, and the, I, I got to tell you, to to me, you know, how many years later the stunts still stack up? Oh, no you doubt. Know, it's yep. like some of the stunts are just insane. You know, it in really this, is in this movie. Yeah, it really is. Like you, you know. Um, what I was going to say earlier about the script, it has kind of like a, a 1940s, uh, like f- talky, like fast talky kind of vibe to it in certain respects because the, the actors are firing off these great one liners so damn well throughout this whole thing. Like, hey, I don't know what I'm saying. And, uh, but 
but and then down to the stunts i think that's what one of the things we pointed out when we watched this we're like wait a minute the special effects are really good first of yeah, all for a for a quote-unquote indie film you know yeah. and and the the stunt yeah the, the the car chase scenes are fantastic the explosions are fantastic yeah, yeah. It, they blew it's the got shit. a lot going on <laughs> they went a little too much little too much gasoline on them when they blew the hell out of the uh you know the the, the factory there yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like they sent yeah. that thing off and it was like uh oh. <laughs> how, how old were you when you made that movie i was 20 24 25 oh gosh okay and uh yeah and the 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 Wild thing is that literally, like the second day of filming, uh, was when the space shuttle blew up. Wow! And so yeah. it was like oh. a really somber moment. The Challenger, to, yeah, in '86. Yeah, '86. Wow! wow. Um, we were. It was, I believe, this the second day of filming, and and we were, you know, we were sitting there at breakfast, and the waitress comes up to us like all like messed up. Oh man! And we're like, you okay? And she was like, the Challenger just exploded. We're like, what? You know, we all ran to the to the television to, to see what the hell happened. And it was oh, like, wow. it was just so, and here we are trying to do this cheerful, <laughs> you know, you know, chase movie. And, you know, it was, it was just really, really, you know, a, a bit of a sad time that whole, that whole, that whole period. Billy, you just got a new car. How do you feel? What exploded, guys? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but can uh... we also mention that the car he gave you is a murder car? Also, it's not like, you know, it's like your murdered brother comes back from the dead to then murder everyone who murdered him. Right. And then you just realize this and it's like, here's this car. Like, no. You, and this car that now, like, everybody's looking for this car because it killed, you know, six people or whatever. Right. Like, it's, it, yeah. There's, there's so much wrong with that original ending. Like, you wouldn't be excited. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. good choice. All that to say, I, I yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think Dave and Jamie, a skank and gutter boy, you know, wrote wrote a uh, wrote a sequel where where the car has been like you know buried you know under underground in an underground garage, you know, and just kind of kept away and, yeah. and, and until it's resurrected now. So I thought you were gonna pop out in that car and be like the Wraith too. Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. over yet. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, and then you ran off with your number one, uh, you know, number one employee at BK's. So yeah, to, to space. I mean, yep. this, this is more trauma. Yeah. Y- yep. On a yep. BMX bike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were saying that you know it was fun on set and and you had a lot of great memories and you had uh, some pivotal scenes with Griffin O'Neill. Your interaction with him makes me wonder if there was like backstory to these characters with because he really hated your guts. Hey, listen, Pack. I was just on my way out too. And, Hold uh, your horses, guy. Packard, please. Just get in the car for a minute. I just want to speak to Billy alone. So what happened here? Looks to me like you ran out of those all-beef patties kind of early today, huh? Hey, don't worry, Pack. We still got plenty of dog food. Hey, Pack, let's grind up some meat, huh? Hey, has this guy been wormed or is he just a naturally gifted child? I swear to God, I'll, I'll rip your head off and piss down your throat. Hold your water, Augie. This is business. <laughs> Nothing personal, guy. Yeah, yeah. Was there stuff that was left off the the you know left out of the movie that that you shot outside of that? I don't think so. You know, honestly, I don't I don't recall. I think everything that was shot wound up on the screen. I know, like you know, I work on Nick Cassavetes movies, and there's like you know forty five minute scenes that are cut out of the film. Um, but I think pretty much everything that was that was shot. I think every scene that I was in, there was nothing that was left on the cutting room floor. I think with with the budget oh, that man. they had. You know, Mike. Mike couldn't afford to. Yeah. Um, so I think pretty much everything that that 
that was on on the on the script was shot. I don't I don't I don't think there was anything uh, extra, you know, which which sucks because there's no like extra scenes. But no, no, Griffin Griffin was great. We we all all of us got along and became really good friends really fast, which rarely happens on 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 films. Yeah. yeah. And and we all kind of uh, uh, you know hung out together. I think you know Griffin had the the unfortunate incident with the, with the Coppola kid. Uh, I think afterwards. Yes. No, but, you know, Cassavetes and I have been friends for, you know, since, uh, Charlie Sheen, I talked to weekly. Um, you know, I just, I just talked to, to, to Nash the other day, Dave and Jamie, uh, I I talked to Clint, uh, Clint Howard, Rughead. Um, it's, it's, it was just a great, great group of, of, of guys. It was a real, you know, bonding experience for, you know, three to five weeks. And we just really became, you know, really good, good, good pals. It, I mean, like I said, it really comes across on screen, and I think that's why it has the staying power. We're here talking about it thirty years later. Well, it's it's funny because it's because there's not not much to do in not much to do in uh, in in Tucson in those days, yeah. and so we 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 had whatever the bar was at the, wherever we stayed. I think it was the Marriott, wherever it was, and and we would load up the uh, the bar with a Greyhound, and so. The uh, the unit production manager dubbed us the Greyhound Gang because we would just sit uh. there all day long, all night long, and drink Greyhounds. And you know we were young enough where we didn't have a hangover. You just right. you know, get up and get up and shoot. No, but I, but I, I do remember I do remember one one time, I think Charlie and Griffin and somebody you know rented a car and like drove to Vegas, you know because because they were a little bored. And then they and then and then and this is before cell phones, so. Uh, I think they they let somebody know where 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 they were staying and and they changed the they they changed the set to a cover set and they were like uh guys you got to come back so literally they had to pull an all nighter and drive back from Vegas to to Tucson and and basically Charlie was so wiped from from partying in Vegas that they couldn't use any of the footage oh no <laughs> the, the, the next day so and they had to they had to reshoot some stuff. So yeah, we we definitely we definitely had some some good times. But the fun the funny thing is that you know you had all these all these you know these young guys this testosterone. But I remember going I remember going to to some club that you know uh, one weekend, and we run into Randy Quaid and he's got like two girls on each oh, arm, and he was just a stud because he was on Saturday Night Live at the time. Yeah, and he was just a stud back then. And we were like, damn, Randy. You know, he was Randy was Randy was great. Randy was so so cool. He was he, he was really cool. I've been waiting to catch you guys in the act. Been waiting and watching. Congratulations, you caught us talking. There's no law against that, is there, officer? Unless of course I got my wires crossed and you caught us speaking without a permit. Clam it, wise guy. There's a dead kid three miles up the highway. Yeah, that's right, dead. Run off the highway and killed. Time to drain the drug overdose sloshing above your eyebrows and tell me who the dude was driving that other car. What about you, maggot? You got anything to say or your veins bloated with brain eradicator too? Yeah. Well, who got killed? Augie Fisher. And there isn't enough left of him to stick in a cigar box. People who are not familiar with the movie, uh, just, just listing off the names that you already did, shows you what a what a cast this yeah. film had yeah and and for you essentially it, you know you're like the fourth build character in the movie you know i'd say like 
Nick is Nick Casavetti's you know Packard's the main villain and sure and and, and, Charlie, and Charlie is Jake and then Sherilyn but but you know you are you are the glue for all these characters to kind of come together and and BK BK's Burgers is like you know <laughs> Big K's Burgers I always call it BK for some reason but uh, Burger King Burger King yeah mm. you know they all come together for you and I'm like. You might have had the crappiest car in the movie, but that's probably the car that survived through the whole thing. Yeah, and it's really funny because my my son, my son who's collecting Hot Wheels now, he's like obsessed with that Triumph. He's like, "What? What year was that Triumph? What? You know, what, what, what did you have in it?" And I was like, "I was like, you know, I don't remember. I, I just remember that I, I I just remember that I I never drove stick before, and it was a stick, and I yeah. got there, and I was trying to like be cool, and I was like." Okay, and and so and so the the what the first thing I learned learned very early on in in my career is whatever set you go and this is a lesson for all you young actors whenever you're on location the first thing you do right after you get off the plane is you go to your nearest liquor store you buy four cases of beer two cases of Bud two cases of Bud Light and you drive you drive that to the transportation captain and you go this is from me and you make friends. For life, yes, <laughs> and it's and it's very true, and it's very and it's very true. So I so I I I, uh, I talked to the transfer. I was like I was like, dude, I don't know how to drive a stick shift. Can you help me out? And he was like, no problems. They took me out in the back and showed me, and you know, and, and so that that way I was like semi decent when I when I drove it in the in the, in the film. Oh, yeah, that. it looks legit. Yeah, yeah, but because I I was I was like more worried about you know grinding gears. You know, yeah. I had to drive. I have it drive. I had to drive it slowly so that the can. There was a couple times I just went way too fast and it was like, Matt, slow down. I was like, and I'm thinking I don't know how. <laughs> you know, I'll try my best. You know, I'm trying. You know, trying mm-hmm. to alternate between the clutch and the and the, and the gas. So it was a uh, it was probably probably about seven or eight takes uh, that we did on that one. How did you settle on on Bud and Bud Light? Is that yeah. the official beer of the transportation? Oh, the transportation cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. official beer. So it wasn't Natty Light or PBR. Or anything. Yeah. Every film, every film I've ever done, right, right to the transportation cap. That's brilliant. I yeah. have it down on our notes. So yeah. Good. <laughs> well, you. Uh, it. Fun fact. I had a 66 Dodge Dart uh, as a kid and, nice. and loved it. It was great. And uh, cause I used to work at an auto body shop and the owner kind of gifted it to me, so to speak. And I was obsessed with your car uh, and Corvairs. And I remember yeah. going on eBay at the time when eBay had first come out and I'm like, I can buy a Triumph for, for $2,000. Yeah. It's going to cost $5,000 to ship it out here, but yeah. $2,000. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nowadays, people are collecting these things, and I'm sure your son now down the road will be like, Dad, they got a Dad new Triumph drove coming this. Up. Dad drove this in 1996. <laughs> yeah, right. Or what? 86. 86. 86, yeah. 86, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, um, you know, looking up your filmography and knowing a little bit of your history, obviously – uh, you had just done Cagney and Lacey right before you did the Wraith, and uh, yeah. you know about a year or so before. And and Dustin and I were, you know, we've we've interviewed quite a few people, and oftentimes um, certain sitcoms or shows come up in in the actors that we interview, and it's more often than not Murder She Wrote is the one that pops up for everybody. Where oh, you were a Murder She Wrote, which. Which is a fun. Uh, Dustin loves that show with like Twenty One yes. Jump yeah. Street. Also, yeah, the Twenty One Jump Street and Miami Vice come up a lot. But Cagney and Lacey's a. F- I personally love that show.
Martin Cove, who uh, his, we interviewed his son, yeah. he's he was on the whole run of that series. Yeah. You know, yeah. Did you did you enjoy your time on Cagney and Lacey? <laughs> yeah, Martin Cove was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> I love it. Didn't he welcome was, me he, into the fold. No, huh? no, no. Because I, 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 I wound up doing a couple episodes, and then the, then they invited me back to be a series regular, and they canceled the show. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh. so uh, so yeah, no, no. Martin Martin was Martin was very Martin. You know, he was very into himself. <laughs> but, That's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, yeah but uh, uh, Sharon uh, Sharon Glesson, the the two of them were just fantastic. And Al Waxman was my my storyline. He played my dad in in, yeah, in, a, yeah. in in the show, and he was just just Superman, just a great guy. You know, and because uh, I had some. Uh, I had some scenes with him where I had to. I, There's a scene where I had to literally spit in his face, mm. you know, take after take after take, and it was. Oh, and I, I was like feeling horrible, and I'm just watching him like, okay, guys, enough. <laughs> you know? And uh, <laughs> but but he was he was a real a real trooper, and really you know for you know a young actor he was he was very encouraging, and um, yeah, I had a, I had a good good arc on the on on that show, and uh, yeah, I was I was I was proud of those proud of those episodes. Uh, I did. Uh, I did some good work on that one. I can't say I did good, good work on all of them, but uh, that one. Hey, that one I did some good work on. Look, I but, love that. you know that that show off, oftentimes gets overlooked because it. There's so much nostalgia now with all these '80s things coming back into the fold. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, one of the reasons why we do this podcast is to remind people not of like, oh, that was then, this is now, but it's more like, no, these are the things that we still love to this day, and and we want to remind people like how great this stuff is. You know. Yeah, I, the, I got. I got. Uh, sorry to interrupt, Zach. No. Um, yeah, I got. I got like some calls, like randomly, like boom, 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 from people who are obsessed with Family Ties. Yeah. Um, you know, because oh, I, yes. I, 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 I had the infamous uh, uh, episode with uh, playing Mallory's boyfriend. I bet we've been together for a million years. Like I started breathing on the night we kissed And I can't remember what I ever did before What would we do, baby, without us? What would we do, baby, without us? And there ain't no nothing And it was it was it was like really interesting because that was that was like a, a good time in my life where where like I really needed a gig, you know. And it was and it was it was as an as an actor you you know you're you're trying your best and and, it, and I was so sick of playing these these kind of roles so I just I, I went into the audition and I, and and I was like, you know what I'm just gonna be a goofball you know I just want to play this character as a goofball and I went and they played him you know kind of like this just like <laughs> you know and you know I called my agent and 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 said. You know, hey, I'm I'm really sorry. You know, I went in there and I just tried something and I acted like an idiot. So you know, I hope I didn't make you look bad. And he's laughing. I was like, Why are you laughing? He said, Because I just called to offer you the job. Oh, and I was like, man. And I was like, Why? They you know? did. 
so so I get on the set and and they were starting the first rehearsal and I come in the door and I hey how you doing and the director goes cut 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 he goes Matt what are you doing I'm doing what got me the job he's like no no just be yourself I was like oh okay so and that's what that's what wound up in, you know, and it was and it Amazing. was one of those infamous shows where you know it was very touching and 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 wound up on like their best of you know when they put the yeah. the, the things together so it was a uh, you know, I'm I'm still enjoying the the fifteen dollar residual checks every uh, three months. <laughs> <laughs> I have a collection of one and two cent checks that I, that I put up on my and my studio and my acting studio, and just uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, this this is this is what it's all about, guys. <laughs> Show know? business. Yeah. With transitioning to behind the camera, and also with your at with your teaching. Um, how did that come about? How did you get involved with like becoming a casting director? You know, it's, um, I was doing some really bad television. Uh, and I remember, which I won't name. And I remember being on the set and I remember doing it just for the money. And I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta do something else. I was, I was about to hit 30. And so I enrolled in the UCLA film school and quickly realized, you know, I knew everything that they were teaching me because I'd done it my whole life. And so a friend of mine was working on, um, on a new film with Barry Levinson and Robin Williams. And I was like, can you get me a job? I'll do anything. I'll sweep floors. I'll go get the director's coffee and, 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 you know, walk his dog. I just, I want to know everything about productions. Okay. 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 So they called me in and I interviewed with Mark Johnson, who I, I would wind up working for, you know, twice more over the years. And, um, and he said, well, they need some help in casting. And so Ellen Chenoweth, you know, knew who I was. And she was like, why, why do you want to do this? And, <laughs> right, right. and I, was, I was like, you know, because I just need a change. Yeah. And I just loved it. I just loved it. I was, I was, it oh, was so ex- exciting. And, and, and I introduced her to actors that she didn't know that I knew. And uh, then uh, um, they, had, they had promised me, you know, a, a, a PA gig. And of course, you know, after after casting was done, they didn't give it to me. They gave it to the director's niece's brother-in-law oh, or something. And so I cried for two days. And then I get a call from Vicky Thomas, who was one of the best top casting directors at the time. And she had just come off of Dracula and White Man Can't Jump. And she was doing a film called Indecent Proposal. And she mm-hmm. was working with a maniac director named Adrian Lyne. So she calls me up and she says, Ellen says you're really good. I said, yeah, yeah. She goes, can, <laughs> can, can you come interview? I said, sure. When? She goes, now? Uh-huh. I said, okay. Oh, yeah. So I drove to Paramount and she said, look, I'm exhausted. You know, Coppola beat the crap out of me. You know, I just did this. And Adrian's, you know, a handful. I just need somebody to hold Adrian's hand and, you know, just, you know, I said, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Yeah. I said, when do you want me to start? She goes, now and so oh my god and so adrian knew who i was from from the bertolucci film what are you doing here and adrian and i <laughs> became fast friends and 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 we definitely butted heads a few times uh and it just kind of spiraled and i was very very lucky to work with uh with vicky for four years on some of the greatest films with some of the greatest directors the greatest producers oh yeah and and it just and it kind of I think it really pissed off the casting community because here, you know, here I was this punk actor, you know, coming into their world, 
Yeah. You know, and like, who do you think you are? And then uh, I broke off on my own with my with my partner, Nancy, who used to be my agent, and she was looking to do something new. Oh, wow. And so we became partners, and we got the Rush Hour movie, and that became a huge hit, and so it launched our career, and we wound up doing, I think, seven movies or something for, for New Line. And, wow. And then, and then Nick uh, was breaking into directing, and he had always promised, you know, he said, if ever, you know, if ever I do a movie... You know, you, you're going to be casting it. I said, I said, great, great, great. And so I was doing all these, I, I think I was doing Con Air and Mars Attacks at the same time. And Nick was just starting. So, yep. you know, I, I worked worked with him as well. And, and it just, just kind of launched. I was very, very lucky, very blessed. Then about uh, nine years ago, somebody said, well, you know, can you come do some workshops? I was like, well, okay, you know, I was like, why do you want me? And I was like, well, because, you know, you were a successful actor and you're a successful casting director. Who better to learn from? Oh I was like, right. oh, duh. So <laughs> I did that and just found out that I loved it. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun and I could help actors. I love actors, always have. And uh, I could help actors do it the right way. And so I opened up a studio in, in Sherman Oaks and uh, have launched, you know, quite quite a few you know careers no no big uh, academy award winners yet but uh but working actors and and it's it's incredibly rewarding because the biz, the business has really really changed over the years it's become yeah. very very corporate uh casting isn't wasn't wasn't as much fun as it is now and i get much more enjoyment out of out of teaching and, and launching careers uh which which really you know is a lot of fun, and now I'm segueing into producing, and it's, you know, the the next chapter in my Fantastic. life. Fantastic, yeah. Fantastic, and and how valuable, I mean, an experience, you know, to come in, and I'm sure that the second you started casting, you were like, oh, like there was just so much from the perspective that you had never experienced that you of were just course. like, oh um, my god, and if I had known this, and I, yeah. Yeah, be... I mean, and it's like you know, you think you you, you know, you think you, you you crush a role, and and I realize that I tell I tell this uh, this, uh, this this story, um, um, where where I, it was um, we as young actors we all wanted to be on Hill Street Blues if you remember oh uh, yeah oh yeah all wanted to be great show, and we all wanted to be and I would go in time after time after time you know and and go to the producers and there's one time I I I I, I went in for some drug dealer. And and I, and I just crushed it, and I just knew I had the job, and no call, no mm. no phone call, and I go, I don't I don't understand, I don't understand why I didn't get this job, and so like six weeks go by, and the, the show comes on the air. Oh, here's the here's the episode where where I, where I was auditioning. Oh, okay, who got my job? I want to see who's better than me. Oh, that's Forrest Whitaker playing my role, you know, and I'm like, if I had my choice between hiring Forrest Whitaker and Matt Barry, I'm hiring Forrest Whitaker. Mm. You know, same thing happened on a on a on a uh, uh, a Fox movie that uh, I had gone back three times for. They loved me, they, you know, and I didn't get it. And I was like, I don't understand. I don't understand. And I watched the the movie, and I was like, How does Jim Carrey get my role? <laughs> you know, yeah. and he was really good. He, yeah. It was a dramatic role. He was on In Living Color at the time. He was on Fox. They wanted, you know. Yeah. And so, and so, I didn't get so you you don't know you don't know that you're that you're second. You know, nobody yeah. tells yeah. you that you're second. Right. You know, which you probably don't want to know, but but <laughs> right. if if you knew how close you got, and, and so I, I took that perspective, and and I encourage actors. You know, hey, you never, you never, it could be that you just look too much like this guy over here. Yeah. 
you know, and it's, and it's, and I've done that too, where you're, you're, you know, with, with Nick and everybody else, every director, it's like, you're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, you know, from the very first, very first film, uh, uh, Indecent Proposal, the two guys that were down, uh, for, for a very important role as Woody Harrelson's, you know, uh, uh, lawyer were, was, um, was, uh, Kevin Pollack and Oliver Platt. Mm. And, and, and we're going back and forth, back and forth, you know, Oliver, Kevin, Oliver, Kevin. And Adrian gets us all in a room and, uh, and says, you know, so Matt, Matt, who you like? I said, I, I like Kevin. And, uh, you know, Sherry Lansing, you know, the, the producer, you know, who, you, who you like? I like Kevin Pollack. Uh, <laughs> you know, Stan Jaffe, the other producer, he's like, I like Kevin, you know, and Vicky, I like Kevin. He goes, right, we go with Oliver then. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's funny. It's funny so because arbitrary. those two guys, th- there's an age difference, I think, there, but they kind of have a similar look in a way, in a way, you know. Well, one's, one's bigger. I mean, Oliver was bigger. He just yeah, had a bigger. more kind of, you know, uh, Kevin was very, you know, that, that Jewish lawyer. Yes. And, and Oliver was kind of that, like the, you know, the fun guy with a bow tie, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he was the he was the buddy in college, and then Kevin Pollock was like maybe the older uncle or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Well, it's fun, and it's funny that you bring that up because oftentimes I don't think people there's a misconception. You know, once you hit that big movie, you're done. Your career is you know you're skyrocketing, but you're constantly having to hustle and you're constantly oh, yeah. having to work and you're yeah. constantly having to put yourself out there. And and there's also this idea of like, well, you're an actor and that's what you are. You're an actor. No, you've got to do a lot of other things, too, to pay the bills, you know, and you've got another and also find joy in whatever you're doing, hopefully. And, and it's so great that you made that transition to finding another career that you equally love. Yeah. And it's propelled you in this other direction, but still in the same, you know, business, which is great. I, I, as I, as, as I always say, I've survived Hollywood. Yeah. I've, I've watched them all. I've Truly. watched so many come and go. So many come and go. I was in my, my garage the other day cleaning out like old books and stuff. And I was going through old casting books and, you know, and then I was looking at my, at my session sheets. I was like, Oh yeah, whatever happened to, she was supposed to be the next big thing, mm. you know, and then you look her up on IMDb, gone. You oh know? man. And you know, you look them, you look them up on Instagram and you know, they're, they're off. They had three kids and you know, they live in Wisconsin or, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, wow, wow. And so I just kept doing that. Oh wow. There's Jennifer Lawrence. Wow. She did make it, you know? And, and it's just, it was just so fascinating to, you know, I never got anything done throwing things out of my garage cause I was sitting there with, you know, with my computer <laughs> and IMDb. Right. But, uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, especially with, 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 you know, you know, social media, you can look everybody up now. Well, that's kind of what happened. happened. That's kind of what happened here because I, I oftentimes on our, our show, um, originally was supposed to be about, you know, covering a movie and a song from that movie that we love. Right. And then talking about the events that happened that year. Turns out I did bring up uh the challenger explosion and chernobyl on one episode and dustin's like can we can we stick with facts that are a little bit more positive uh, wow a little can more uplifting bring everybody down at the very end of the episode for no reason yeah you know yeah. and I, my my personality is i'm i'm pretty upbeat and like hey dustin you know what happened in 1986 yeah. chernobyl chernobyl <laughs> he's like right. what <laughs> and the right. challenger why are you yeah. sounding so pleasant about this <laughs> but, taking but then we got into like maybe you know what? Let's reach out to some of the actors from these movies that we love and see if they'll come on the show and talk about the movie that they were in or their career, et cetera, et cetera. But then we started thinking, okay, but let's find people that maybe had a, 
we're not the lead, but we still they stood out to us in some way. You know, mm. and and obviously going back to the wraith, you stood out to us, and I'm like, well, what's Matthew Barry doing now? And then looking you up, I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. This is so cool, yeah. and and just I love that. I love that you are doing this thing that you love. And it's and also helping out other people at the same time. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's you know we 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 all we all get get a little a little down every now and then. But I realize you know my my girlfriend reminded me. She goes, "Do you know how many careers you've launched?" I was mm-hmm. like, "No." And she started like running down the list of you know all these actors who are on TV series or you know movies or you know people from Australia because I go to Australia every year and teach. Um, and it's just like the, the amount of people is like, do you realize that your two students are starring in the same show? <laughs> yeah. oh, I, was like, I was like, oh yeah, right, right. So it's, it's, it's really, it's rewarding and, and it's, and it's, it's so fulfilling. I, it's like my joy now is when my actors book, like I had a, a new student yesterday just booked a, um, just booked the Wu-Tang Clan show. You know, oh, the, the new one, and and it was, and we worked really hard to, you know, to 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 get the character, and uh, put it on tape and send and send it off, and, and he booked it, and I was like, and I was just, it just made me feel so good. It's so like, awesome. You know, it's like his first, it's his first gig, you know. So so he was really really excited. So so wait, I wait before before we, before we go to the next question. Yeah. Because I wrote it down, and 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 I want to want to bring it up. Did you guys know that Brooke Burke is an extra in the race? Oh yeah, of course. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I, I um, fun fun fact: I was a teacher for a number of years, kindergarten teacher. Oh, wow, sure. And uh, we get you know certain parents on tours coming in and checking out the school. And my my teaching partner, she knew I. I mean, I was a film nerd since I was a little kid. I worked at a video store, hence the name Two Dollar Late Fee. Dustin and I both worked at video stores, and <laughs> that's great. Tarantino, so, Tarantino, worked for him, right? Right, right. So, uh, but, but but for me, teaching was always my first love, and 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 being with uh, entertaining kids and storytelling in that aspect. And so, uh, you know, parents would come on tours, and my teaching partner, after they leave, she go, "And did you recognize anybody?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, that was this person, and that was that person." And she's like, "Did you recognize? Oh yeah, it was Brooke Burke." She's like, "What's who's Brooke Burke?" And I'm like, "Well, she's on like a wild, a wild on E. That well was her big show." Yeah. So but she's in the wraith. wraith, and she's like, Wait, "What do you? What's the Wraith?" And I go, "You don't know the Wraith." <laughs> of course, she doesn't know the Wraith. She's like, "I got five daughters. I don't know the Wraith. Of course not." So. Yeah, no, there, it's. I got to tell you that the 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 people there's like people that like resurrect the cars or you know recreate the cars, you know, or like somebody oh who God. somebody who pulled it out and pulled it out and and and, and restored it. Well, you know, it's funny you say this about the fandom aspect because obviously we're big fans and 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 we love uh there's the, the movies that we love, we really love, right? And but but there is a deeper fandom that goes on with these movies, like an almost like an obsession. And to the point where yeah, they're recreating the cars, they're recreating some guy recreated the suit that uh yeah. you know, Charlie, yeah. Charlie wore. alien suit and I'm like, right. wow, that that's commitment right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like somebody, like one of my students, uh, uh, put together a, a Big K's uh, T-shirt, you know, Big K's burgers, like the one I wore in the movie, and I yeah. was like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, holy uh, shit! I, love that. I was like, that's kind of cool. Well, we were actually, uh, we we interviewed uh, an actor uh, who was in a movie called No Retreat, No Surrender, uh, '80s action movie, and and uh, 
we, we made a t-shirt, like a tribute t-shirt, but also promoting our, our show, right? Yeah. And, and people got a kick out of it. And I was tossing it over to Dustin, like, maybe we make a one with uh, Billy. And at the bottom, it just says, Jamie! <laughs> $2 late fee. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I, I was going to say, too, you know, you, you're bringing up um, really good points about, about being this mentor now that you are. Yeah. And and this role that you're now wearing. Yeah. Um and there is a documentary called Finding Joe. It's a it's about the hero's journey and how it applies to your your life. Uh it came out a few years ago and it's got notable people in it from Akiva Goldsmith um mm. to uh I think Tony Hawk is actually in it like pe- mm. oh, oh uh, Mick Fleetwood so like known people and then other people in all aspects of all jobs and, and, and walks of life uh, and how Joseph Campbell's uh, hero's journey really helped them with their career and finding yeah. where they wanted to go. And it's just interesting thinking about that and, and talking about how you are, were so excited about your students that booked something, Yeah, you know, and now you're wearing this mentor role, right? We all wear these different roles of what are we? Are we the hero? Are we the guardian? You know, and here you are as the mentor, the sage, right? Well, it's, it's, you know, it's, I love talent, you know, and it's, it's, and I love, I love finding talent. I get excited by, by talent. I mean, if you look at, at, at the movie Alpha Dog, you know, every single one of those, of those actors became, became stars. Big time. So good. You know, I mean, Amanda's, you know, nominated for an Academy Award this year. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, to, 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 you know, Cat Williams was living in his car, yeah. you know, when, when I, when I found him and, and, uh, um, uh, Terry Crews, same film, you know, he was a, he was a guard. He was, he would guard sets, you know, he was, a, he was a guard and, and he came in and had done nothing. And I have like a whole collection of that. I show my students of everybody's first pictures and resumes. And, uh, when I first came in, I was I like, yeah, that. yeah, they've got, you know, it's it's exciting because because you just you know you, you you know you get a feel and you and you 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 try and give them confidence you try and you build them up and say no keep going keep going I know it's I know it's hard you know you get told no all the time you know yeah. you get the you get the crap beat out of you you know but you got to keep going and you got to have the confidence and you got to you know that that you know pours pours out totally and and it's and it's and it's it's interesting those that make it and those and those that 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 don't and you, I, I i after doing it for so long you know with my students you get a sense of you know which ones are going to make it and which ones aren't and and you you work with those really hard you know to to give them you know confidence and to show them how to do things right and eventually eventually they do you know and i meet them from from all over i mean i met, I met this guy in in oklahoma you know who was just a good old boy i said get your ass out to la we don't have guys like you you know we don't have good yes. old boys right and he came out and just book 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 you know yep. this this oh, um, so this student of mine from uh from uh, uh wisconsin um you know he looks like a strung out drug addict and he was like you, you know i mean he's skinny and meth head and I was like, no, you're going to book. And he wound up being like one of the main guys uh, in David Fincher's series, uh, uh, The Mindhunter. Oh, yeah. Uh, and oh. he just blew up after that. And so, you know, he works wow. and works all the time. And it's just, it's it's like, yeah, yeah, you can. It doesn't matter what you look like. If you have talent, it will be found, you know. And it's, and it's, and it's, a, it's a hard grind sometimes for, for actors. But at the same time, you, you just, you have to keep going. You never give up. 
You know, like Harrison Ford didn't make it till he was 35. And he said, well, you know, I never got off the bus. And it's very, it's very true. <laughs> it's true. It, it, it might take a while, but if you're around long enough, you know, I mean, Ann Dowd just had a, she had an amazing article that she wrote, you know, where she's, you know, she's, you know, pounding the pavement for 25 years, you know, and she finally yeah. gets, she, she gets a, you know, a, a golden globe. You know, and it's like, oh, newcomer and doubt. She's like, honey, yeah. <laughs> I've been doing this for <laughs> oh 35 years and now I'm being recognized. Yeah, it's really good advice it, just to, to, to not give up and to pursue and, and, and know that, you know, Dustin was a huge, um, I mean, I look at, besides being one of my closest friends, he's a mentor of mine as well. And, I, you know, when I made the transition to acting from teaching, I went yeah. from, I always just say, like a like a long-term relationship to you know, speed dating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and suddenly I'm like, wait, but I thought we had a cool connection there. And how come I didn't hear back from you ever again? Like what's, right. what's happening? You know, it's the same kind of idea where, uh, you've got, you've, you've got to reset that clock and know that th this business is not anything. There's nothing else really like it in, in, in that way. It's, it's interesting because it, it, an old teacher of mine said, Matt, Every year, a hundred thousand people come from all over, from their little small towns, yep. trying to break into the business. He said, after yep. that first year, you know, ten thousand are left. You know, yep. after that second year, a thousand are left. After that third year, a hundred are left, and those are the ones that stick it out. And it's like, yeah, it's it's kind of true because I've, you know, again, I've seen it. It's it's once you're once you're in, once you're in that circle. You know, it's, we know who you are. Yeah. It's just, it's just nobody wants to be that first person to, to take a chance on you because, <laughs> you know, it's our, it's our yeah. reputation. Yep. You know, so it's, 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 you know, we're a little hesitant until, oh, somebody else did it. Okay. Now you're, now you're uh, legitimate. That's now you're, yeah, now it's... you're, now you're legit. I, so it's so it's it's you know I've learned that from from my end as as well. It's just, it's just like you know okay do we do we trust them and and even uh, uh, the the great uh, Jane uh, Jenkins Jane uh, uh, yeah Jane Jenkins was talking about you know uh, Rob Reiner how he wanted to hire this young actress that that he met and she was just brilliant and he was like yeah but you know she hasn't really done anything except for a soap opera you know so I can't really put her in the lead in my movie. But he kept her in mind, kept her in mind, and eventually put her in the lead as in When Harry Met Sally. You know, uh -huh. so, you know, launched Meg Ryan's career. Uh -huh. Yeah. So it's like we we remember you, you know, and that's that's how it was with uh, with uh, with Ben Foster. I met Ben in my office when he was 18 years old, and I just fell in love with the kid. I mean, he was just so cool and calm and just just smart. Yeah. And so for, you know, six years, I was trying to put him in a film. And then finally, he was the very first person I brought to Nick uh, on Alpha Dog. And, uh, you know, Nick doesn't like to, he just, he, Nick is, he doesn't like to read a lot of people. He just likes to meet. He, he mm. goes, he goes, Matt, if you're bringing them to me, I, I know they're good. So I was like, I want you to meet this, this, this kid. Very first person. And, uh, and he sat down and, and we was talking about the movie and the script. And Nick says to him, so, you know. Which role do you want to play? Thinking that he wanted to play the lead. He goes, mm. oh, I want to play this guy. I was like, really? Why? He said, yeah, because I think I can really, you know, sink into this, into this character. And he started to spawn off his ideas. And Nick was like, yeah, it's yours. Yeah, he was like, wow. He was like, he was like what? He was like, yeah, it's yours. You know, I just hired you. 
He was That's like, awesome. that, that never happens. <laughs> no. I was like, you know, like, and to say the same, same, like Amanda, Amanda Seyfried came in. She was 17. She was just coming off of uh, Mean Girls. And she, and her, her agent uh, was like my best, one of my best friends in high school. And oh. so she was like, you got to meet this girl. I'm like, who is she? It's, it's like, just, just meet her. I said, okay, I'll, meet, I'll do anything for you, Abby. And so she came in and literally just started crying. I was like, I don't want to do your movie. I don't want to do your movie. I just want to go home. I'm homesick. I just want to see my family. Oh, and I just don't. I don't want to do your movie. So please let me go. And Nick and I are going. Oh, we're going oh to keep God. her here. We're going to torture her for. And we tortured her oh for an God. hour. And she she had the job five minutes in. <laughs> you, you know, it was just she just had this this personality and just this this wonderful, uh, wonderful you know energy about her. Uh, and it's, it's, that's the, those are the things you look for. Olivia Wilde, another one, you know, came in and, and, um, what we didn't tell on the callbacks for, for her role was that we had all the guys in the room, you know, the whole gang in the room. Oh, so wow. the first actress walks in and they were like, yo, what's up, bitch? You know, and they're like, huh? What? And they like, <laughs> they left crying and the, and the, the second girl walks in and it was like, damn, you are ugly. See you next Tuesday. And, she leaves. <laughs> Olivia walks in and is like, "Yo, what's up, whore?" And they're like, "Yo, what's up, shrimp dick?" You know. And so, yeah. oh, and so yeah. she just went to it, and we're like, "Done, yeah, done." You I know. It. And and it's just you just, oh, it's the greatest feeling. It's the greatest feeling. Oh, I love so. that. And obviously, Anton Yelchin, rest yeah. in peace. But I mean, yeah, huge I, talent. I was, you know, the, the Nick had wanted, Nick was stuck on uh, Kieran Culkin. And mm. my partner had seen him in the, uh, in the, um, oh God, it was the film that he did with Anthony Hopkins, who the name is escaping me. Um, but she was like, she was like, Anton Yelchin, Anton Yelchin, Anton Yelchin. She was like pounding it into Nick's head. She's like, fine, fine, bring him in, bring him in. Um, so, so he brought him in. It was like done just done you know it was it and it was just like you know lifelong friendship that's beautiful yeah that's beautiful i mean yep. yeah it and, and speaking of that lifelong friendship you and uh nick obviously being friends for well over 20 30 years now right yeah yeah he's blowing up my phone right now <laughs> <laughs> we're in the we lost we lost andrew andrew dice Clay quit our movie yesterday so oh no uh, oh so. no how dare he I was gonna say, what is he doing? Brain Smasher three or something like that? So no, no, no. He uh, no. They're actually doing. It's a great script. I actually read the script. They're doing a, a mini series on on Pamela and Tommy Lee. Oh uh, gosh, that, that Seth Rogen is doing, and, and he 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 got hired to do that as well. And and I think that that he just really wanted to do be a part of that and not part of ours. So. How so dare he? Was, he? Well, yeah, well, he's Andrew Dice Clay. What do you expect? Well, I was going to say, how um, dare he cross Packard and Billy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's listen. It's not the first time it's happened in my career, and it won't be the last. So. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, this was this was so much fun uh, having you on our show. You guys are awesome. Thank man. you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Jake, who are you? Jake! Jake! Jamie! Oh, listen, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you 
that the good guys always win, even in the 80s. All right, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it five-star rating? (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. (laughs) Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeedPodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 